As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The Sift Pop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast with microphones made from vibranium, opinions made from adamantium, and an iTunes ranking made from unobtainium, it's Sift Pop. I do like it. That's pretty good. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Spreaker every Saturday afternoon or available to download later on your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks! <laughs> I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. He's Andrew Ormsby. Ahoy! Each week, we will chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. How's it going, Andrew? Going good, going good. Have a good week? I did. I went and saw Black Panther at Alamo. That's just too things that you gotta love in one thing how was your alamo experience oh man i got that uh is it askinosa chocolate shake it's the best it is one of the best is the one with peanut butter in it uh i think it might be yeah Yeah. it's crazy good (laughs) it really is yeah it is one of the it's definitely the best movie shake i've ever had oh yeah oh it might be the best shake i've ever had i would have to put the peach shake from chick-fil-a up there their peach shake is amazing so were you the one who was flabbergasted whenever I said that chicken uh, or Chick Fil A had the worst shake I've yes, ever had in my I life? Yes, I was. I absolutely was because I yeah. love their cookies and cream shake too. Yeah. Which shake did you have that you didn't like? Uh, just a regular chocolate shake. It was a just tr- the chocolate shake. See, I've never had their. It chocolate was atrociously shake. bad. What are some other shakes you like outside of the the one at? Uh, you know, this what? is a great first topic. This is the best first topic ever. <laughs> uh, we have a restaurant here. I know it's a chain, but at Freddy's. Yeah, yeah, I know Freddy's. Freddy's has really good shakes. And that's um, frozen yogurt, right? Mm-hmm. Just um, like Andy's. Oh, no, no, custard. Yeah, it's frozen Andy's custard. custard yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Andy's. Yeah, custard oh. shakes are a little different. They're a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really fallen in love with custard since moving here. I like custard more than ice cream. I oh, really do. Of course. Who it, doesn't like custard more than ice cream? People who don't know it exists? Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I didn't, and I guess Freddy's is more popping up all over the place now, so more and more yeah. people. And I guess, um, what's Gelato. The, What's the other restaurant that, that serves custard? Um, they serve, like, everything on their menu, and it's a fast food place. I know we have, like, I know uh, Steak and Shake is, like, shakes. It's, like, malts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not that's not frozen custard. But anyways, I you know, once I had tried custard, I was like, wow, this is, like, the beauty and the, the, the taste and the coldness of ice cream, and it's super smooth and so easy to eat. Oh, yeah. so good. So much better than ice cream. There should be some sort of uh, frozen custard flavor called the black panther yeah <laughs> <laughs> just uh what would what would be in that let's let's break it down blackberries blackberries do, do blackberries would yeah that be good within custard i like fruit and custard so oh yeah um would it be weird would it be weird if the base flavor was vanilla <laughs> should the base flavor be chocolate of course i, I think assume it should, i, I assume it has chocolate. to be chocolate with blackberries yeah maybe like a dark chocolate like oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah i'd be down with that with some uh, Oreo crumbles in there, yeah, and some blackberries. I like that it. Sounds weird, but I'm gonna make it happen. <laughs> I'm gonna make it happen. Nice. I'm just praying right now that that whole section wasn't completely racist because I have no idea. I always have to tread. So I always feel like I have to tread so lightly. Yeah, <laughs> dealing with that kind of stuff. But we also do swear people. This is a movie podcast. That's right. So we should probably talk about movies a little bit. Uh, we're gonna have a good time. Uh, we're gonna, of course, do our buried treasure at the end. We've got a sift quest coming about getting into talking about movies and how we did that. Uh, excited to talk about that. We've got a really fun best ever challenge this week. Three for three directors who started their careers three for three. You know, I thought that was going to be very difficult. But I did find it difficult, actually. I found it kind of easy because of like, 
Well, I got lucky, I should say, because the people I thought about, I looked at their work, and I'm like, yeah, okay, you nailed it. (laughs) Nice. So I'm excited to chat about that. Uh, And then, of course, we've got our review of Black Panther. Mm -hmm. But first... Every single week, I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world, and we pick three topics for us to discuss, and we must decide whether or not we care about them or not. Number one... Marvel, since we're going to be talking about Black Panther, we might as well start off with it. Marvel is planning to have more female-driven stories and films in Phase 4. Does this mean we will finally get the Black Widow origin film we've always wanted? Yeah, uh, I think I'm not sure that I can agree that it's something we've always wanted. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think we'll get the Black Widow film. Um, they're talking about doing... Like a super like a female superhero combine movie, like a you know female mm-hmm. Avengers, yeah, type thing that I think is interesting. So I think it's great. Yeah, absolutely makes a lot of sense. Well, I don't. I know DC came out with Wonder Woman, and it was so highly praised. I think that is is it bad to say that it's time to capitalize on that? But I don't think that's bad. I mean, yeah. they're always going to capitalize on stuff, but I think yeah. it's just. I mean, it's. It's time for representation, and we'll talk more about this, I'm sure, in our you know yeah. review of Black Panther. But it is just time that we all get to see, you know, an equal amount of stuff on the yeah. screen that represents who we are and where we come from. I don't mean capitalized from a money standpoint. Sure, yeah, because that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It's terrible. It's part of you know why we get movies is because they make money. You know, they're able to make bigger and it's greater true. things because they're able to make money. So it's you know it's kind of the nature of the beast. Yeah, the way it happens. But I'm all for it. Get Absolutely. A, get a Black Widow film. Get a Valkyrie film. You could argue Black Panther is a female-driven superhero film. There's like, there's a bunch of them in there. Yeah, that, so. Yeah, exactly. Um, number two? Yeah, go for it. Tom Hanks will be playing Fred Rogers in a Mr. Rogers Neighborhood biopic film. I'm so excited for this. Is it not super cool? It's like the best thing ever. Yeah. Everything I hear about... Um, Fred Rogers, everything I've ever read about him yeah. is that he is exactly the person that you saw on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Just like the kind, like he's, I say, I said he is basically Paddington in real life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just always super sweet, caring about people. And I grew up with so many myths, like the untold story of Mr. Rogers. Right. Like he was a sniper in the he military. He was a sniper yeah. in Vietnam. And Not that- true. Yeah, that wasn't true. None of them were true. Like right. how the reason why he always wore uh uh was it turtlenecks and stuff is because he was cardigans. covered in cardigans is because he was covered in tattoos and stuff. <laughs> Did you ever hear that one? No, I didn't hear that one. Oh, those were the two prominent ones. Tattooed Mr. Rogers Tattooed, is the best though. Yeah. Um <laughs> he was just sleeved up and I think the the very famous one is that he was a sniper in Vietnam. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think everybody heard that one. Yeah. But uh no yeah I think the real story is that he is like the like you said the Paddington of, of the real, real life. world yeah. yeah I think it's called uh I am your friend I think that's what it's called It's based on a, a, a there was a cynical writer who went to do an article on Mr. Rogers and was really bummed about having to do it He and didn't want to do didn't it didn't want to do it but his life was changed His after. life was changed after hanging out with Fred Rogers for a, for a period of time and so I'm really interested to see that story. I think Tom Hanks is the perfect choice. I think this is good news all around. Exactly. I'm all on board. True story. Bio, like it clicks all my buttons. Like it, mm-hmm. you might as well just give it my number one movie of that year. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, unfortunately, if it comes out the same year as this next one, it can't be my number one. Because, oh, no. Because this is officially my number one movie of all time. <laughs> and it hasn't come out yet? Yeah, exactly. All right. What's your next story? Michael Fassbender. Arnold Schwarzenegger and David Hasselhoff will star in a feature length Kung Fury film, <laughs> a sequel to the phenomenal short that David Sandberg phenomenal. Put Are you kidding me? How can you not? No, no, no. Say we've that- had this. No, 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 no. You, you, you brought this to Sif Pop a long time ago. I think, I think you did when it first came out or was first starting to get you know popular yeah, yeah. or whatever. I remember watching it and just it, here's here's the thing. I get why people go crazy over it. You yeah. know, it's it's funny, it's quirky, it's interesting. It's just not my cup of tea. Like it's just not something that pushes my buttons. You know what I mean? It's just really weird. You know how you said that like the biopics, the true story, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the inspirational that clicks all your buttons. The nostalgia, the over the top insanity, nostalgia, the, I like the, yeah. ins- the incredible ridiculousness of just. How insane can we make this thing? 
and right. have so many amazing people willing to just have fun. Mm-hmm. That's what I love. I love movies that like I I don't like whenever an actor's like I want to do this so I can get my Oscar. I like it when an actor like even an actor like Michael Fassbender who's renowned for being a phenomenal actor whenever he'll just come out and say I just want to have fun, you know, cuz that comes across and it makes me have fun. Like it's uh living vicariously through his excitement and fun that I know he's having making this movie. Yeah. I feel that. And I love that. And the fact that Kung Fury was so funny. Yeah. You're totally on board. Oh, I am so no other movie has a chance. No, it really doesn't. It really (laughs) does. What if they screw it up? You love dark tower too. And they totally screwed that movie up. Well, that's because I love them. The books. Uh And I went into the movie knowing I wasn't going to hate. I was going to hate it. I really didn't know. Can't they screw it up though? Is there a way? Is there a way to mess this up? Is it's uh so Fassbender's he's not gonna be Kung Fury. It's still gonna be David Sandberg, the guy who did the short and starred in the short. So he's gonna be doing that, and he's gonna oh be I didn't reprising, know that he's gonna be reprising his role. So Fassbender's okay. not gonna be him. And also, I forget the name of the studio, but they just did it. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be also co-producing it. So okay. So I really do. You've think, got confidence. I do have confidence. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. I you know Fastbender. He's not opposed to just cashing checks, though. I mean, he didn't he do Assassin's Creed? Wasn't that Fastbender? He did do Assassin's Creed, and he also did this movie called Snowman, which I haven't seen, but I hear oh, it's yes, atrociously right. bad. I forgot he did Snowman. I haven't seen Snowman. I was excited to see it, but then it, as soon as it came out, everybody said it's like one of the worst movies ever. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Oh wow. There's 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 not a lot. <laughs> Oh, to that's... like about snowman but people you should need... you should see it I, I do want to see it you should see it <laughs> not everybody should see it yeah. but andrew should see it okay I'll, i would I'll... be i would be very curious to hear your your thoughts on snowman i'll i'll give it a couple hours worth of my life nice why not why not <laughs> so yeah that's gonna wrap it up for do we care there we go let's get into it here's our review of black panther My son, it is your time. Show me my respect and bow down. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. Don't freeze. I never freeze. After the death of his father, T'Challa returns home to the African nation of Wakanda to take his rightful place as king. When a powerful enemy suddenly reappears, T'Challa's medal as king and as Black Panther gets tested when he's drawn into a conflict that puts the fate of Wakanda and the entire world at risk. Black Panther has arrived. Is it safe to say one of the most hyped Marvel movies ever? It feels like there was so much hype with this movie. Uh, I. Th- it's just because Avengers, you know, thinking of what no film had ever done that before, but it's up there. It really definitely is a lot of hype coming into it. So, but I think the Avengers films on hype level are are more are more. Yeah, like, you're probably right. You're but probably don't right. get me wrong; I'm not trying to undersell the hype that was going into this movie in particular. So, we're going to take a look at it. Um, we like to kick it off with: Did you like it? Love it? Dislike it? Hate it? Or it was just okay? What do you think, Andrew? I loved it. Yeah, you're oh. not, not going to get a disagreement from me. I loved it. It was so good. <laughs> One of the best Marvel movies. Like. Yeah, it's up there. Top it's, five at least, right? It's crazy because yeah. I'm tired of saying Marvel movies are so good <laughs> because I feel like a fanboy at this time. Like, can't Marvel just make a bad movie? And I'm like, see, they're <laughs> fallible. But this movie is so good. It's it's original. It's so original. Yeah. Well, there okay, there are parts of the Marvel like of this movie that Marvel still needs to get a handle on for me to just stop doing this. So you do have some things. One one thing. One thing. Okay. But other than that, I love the movie. Yeah, I'm in the loved it camp too, uh very strongly. It's a phenomenal film. There's so many things I love about it. I think a good place to start uh is probably just kind of what surrounds the movie with the idea of representation and different cultures, which you kind of touched on uh, before. I, I do think it's important to say, obviously, neither of us we are really, persons of color. Exactly. We're both white guys. Yeah. Um, and so we can't necessarily speak to that in as powerful a way. Um, but I, I will say it's so valuable to me even 
to see representation of, you know, the community of the persons of color in this way, and especially kind of the African heritage stuff that this movie is so vivid. It reminds me of Coco in some ways. It reminds me of watching Coco and going, oh, I want to be immersed in this culture that is separate from mine to under, you know, to understand, to live it, to, to feel it in a different way. Yeah. Uh, and I got, I got a lot of that here with just, it's the beauty of the African continent, the yeah. beauty of the costuming, the colors, the people, um, you know, even just the language, the dialects. It's just it's just so full of, you know, beautiful cultural and that tradition understanding. Is, yeah. Yeah. It is beyond that aspect of it is like what the most prominent thing of the movie. And it is done so well. And to be able to experience that even for a couple hours and to have that happen. It was, I I wish like, like, as you said, as white guys, we really can't understand how powerful that is. Well, for we've, some we've grown up in a world where we're always represented. Yeah. You know, so, there's always a white guy on the screen. There's always a white guy. So whenever we really can't have that experience of like, this one is for me because everything right. has been for us. Yeah. So, um, but you said, because uh, you went and saw it Monday. You saw it way before I did. Yes. And I think your wife went with you, mm-hmm. and uh, she uh, posted something the, that she actually saw somebody. Yeah, I was there as well. Um, so there was a family there. It's actually a fellow critic of mine who I've met a few times before at the Critics' Choice Awards. Uh, he works out of Kansas City. Uh, his name's Sean. You should check him out. He does good stuff. Um, and it was his family was there and his daughters were being asked, I should say his person of color, yeah. uh, African-American. Um, he was asked if his daughters um, or the daughters were asked, you know, what they were looking forward to in the movie. And one of his daughters said, I'm very excited to see superheroes who look like me. And that just sums it all up, right? That's yeah. the idea of representation. And then afterwards, as my wife was walking down, they were asked, you know, do you feel like it lived up to your expectations? And this little girl just smiled so big. You could just tell, like that was her review. <laughs> like her giant smile was like all we needed to know that this was more than just a movie, although it's a great movie, that it means something beyond that. And that's why it's so important to have Ryan Coogler behind the camera, mm-hmm. directing it with that perspective. You know, it's not just checking some sort of racial box. Yeah, it's actually getting somebody making the decisions who can really have an understanding of the you know the cultural appropriateness of everything. I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, he's a oh, forgive me, uh, Sterling K. Brown, who was actually in this movie as well. Yeah, he's also the guy from This Is Us. This Is Us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whenever he won the Golden Globe for This Is Us, he said, "Thank you for writing a character for a black man." I didn't. I w- he said his entire career he was uh, cast, you know, because we can put a black person in this role, not a role for him. And uh, that's kind of what this movie's like. It's not a movie that you can just put somebody in. It's for them, you know. Right. So it that element of it is something obviously we can't relate to, but we appreciate that it was made and that they we had the opportunity to immerse ourselves. I think it's important it. to mention. Yeah. And, and I, I think I said this in my review too, it becomes less about cultural appropriation, which can be a negative thing yeah. and more about cultural appreciation. It's finding, exactly it's it. finding the difference between those two things. And this movie I think does it very, very well. So beyond kind of that surrounding the movie, which I think is valuable and important to talk about, let's talk about the actual movie itself. What mm-hmm. did you love about this movie? So um, something I was concerned about going into this movie because it's happened several times in Marvel movies where you have a cut and dry villain Mm. in a movie. But this movie made me care about a villain. I don't think I've ever seen so much in a Marvel movie. Yeah. Like the depth and background they went into creating this character and whenever you can understand Michael B. Jordan's performance, by the way, which is incredible, but whenever you can understand and appreciate where the villain is coming from, it makes that character so much more than just a villain. Right. They, they stand for something, and you understand why they are going down this path. Because you can empathize yes, that, with the motivations, even if you despise the choices based on those motive motivations, right? Yeah. So even if the villain makes wrong choices, if you understand why... 
they're making those wrong choices, it puts you on this whole different and deeper level of understanding. And I, the best villains are villains that you empathize with. Exactly. I, I really believe that. And Michael B. Jordan is definitely that type of yeah. Marvel villain. Um, performances all around, I should say. I don't want to just single out him. Everybody in this movie brings their A game. I think I uh, the standout for me, since we're, we're talking about the cast, uh, is Letitia Wright. Uh, Letitia Wright plays the sister, the younger sister. Yeah, I loved her so much. She was so great. She's one of those actors when you watch them in the movie. Like she, I don't know that I've ever seen her in anything else. And you're like, why isn't she in everything? <laughs> she's so much fun. She's so interesting. She's so good. Um, yeah, Let- Letitia Wright was the standout for me. Is is at least as far as unknowns, you know, that I hadn't really well, had yeah, much unknown, experience yeah. with uh, before. For me, Denai uh, Garura. I, yeah, sure. Yeah, she, I, I've known her from The Walking Dead forever. Yep. But for her to change, kind, it's a totally different character. Yes, she's still awesome, and she's still you know an, an amazing fighter like we see in The Walking Dead. But it is so different, and just a character that is so devoted to honor and tradition mm-hmm. and everything. And the fact that she is also, she just kicks butt left and right. That's just icing on the cake right there. But her performance is so good. I'm, I'm trying to think of a single performance in this movie that wasn't beyond stellar. Okay. So I think I want to bring up something, uh, in the performance level is a very minor thing. Um, it's, it is uh, the accent, the American accent, done by Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> uh, uh, Martin Freeman. Yeah, Martin Freeman has played two, you know, icons in you know English pop culture. You know, he's played yeah. Watson and, and Bilbo. But, yeah. So we know him as an English accent, you know, actor. Yeah. So hearing him doing an American accent, I think it was fine. It was just weird. Oh, okay. I see. You what know you're what I saying. mean? Like yeah. I don't like I wouldn't fault his performance. I actually enjoyed his performance, mm-hmm. but it was it was just a little bit like, uh, huh? <laughs> I, I, I see what you're saying. I think I've seen him. Did you do, not have that? I, I think I've seen him do American accents before, not counting Civil War. You know where he was the same character, right? But I I think I've seen him do American accents several times before, so it didn't throw me for so much of a loop. But I you you uh, you uh put him more in like the Watson and the Bilbo. Mm-hmm. I think of him more in the Cornetto trilogy where he is just straight up British in those. <laughs> right, like, those two. Not yeah. holding back at all. And uh so there maybe there were a couple of points where I'm like, oh okay, so yeah, you're you're really laying on that that American accent. Tell me if I'm wrong about this. Okay. I really think this is right. I haven't heard anybody else say this. Martin Freeman is the British Jason Bateman. I could. I, I think I know what you're saying. I think I know what you're the saying. The sense of humor. Yeah. The way they approach, like the matter of factness, the kind of everything is like, um, you know, they're not sure about everything, but they are sure about everything. And the fact that they can also just drop into a dramatic role and nail it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just had that. What I was watching actually Black Panther. And I thought, you know, who else would have rocked that role on the American side? Jason Bateman was Jason Bateman. I thought. Wow, they're kind of the same person with a different accent. You know, I think I would have liked Jason Bateman in that role more. I really yeah. do think I would have. Um, another person that I that really I didn't get a uh, a good understanding of what that character was like is Andy Serkis Claw. Whenever you saw him in Age of Ultron, uh-huh. but he actually I got a depth of that character now and just how vile and menacing right. he is in yeah. this one. That I'm like, okay, so you're actually making me hate him more than what I expected you were going to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was good. I, I enjoyed all the performances. What else do we like? Color. I know we kind of kind of mentioned it a little bit, but there is so much color in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, the yellows and the blues, like how bright this movie is. And, yeah, I really liked it a lot. I think the and it goes along with the costuming as well. And yeah. I think the costuming plays so well into the tribal aspect of, you know, what they're doing with Wakanda. Um, you know, that the the guard, I forget the official name of, you know, the the guard um that the the women play. Yeah. Um that's why I say this is really in a lot of ways a, a woman fronted movie because oh. so many of the all the warriors are these, you know, female warriors and they're doing such incredible work. 
Yeah, honestly, whenever I think about this movie, like going back to it, my favorite parts weren't parts with Chadwick Boseman, as good as he is as Black Panther, but Denai and, you know, all the other amazing people in this movie, like Lapita and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Leticia, yeah. I think about them and all the cool things they were doing. Maybe it's because I'd seen Black Panther in Civil War, so I knew what to expect from him, and everything else was fresh and new. Maybe that's why I keep, you know, Mm -hmm. going back to them. But also, I think that... They had more prominent roles than what I expected going into this movie. Like, okay, so this movie really deals with them a lot. Yeah. It's not just a Black Panther movie. Yeah. It's a Wakanda movie. It really is. And it's also a message movie, which is the other big positive I'll bring out. Um, Really struggling with the message of... Uh, colonialism and, you know, what the African cultures have dealt with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, And so the idea that they have been protected from that because of this technological advancement and then their conflict of staying out of it or getting involved with it. Mm -hmm. And um, man, it just that that thread flows through the villain. It flows through the hero. It flows through the themes it flow, you know, it's just it's a really beautiful and consistent story message about making that decision and you know what the consequences are of that decision. Yep. So I enjoyed that as well. Do you have any cons? Yeah, I do. Okay. I have actually one big con. Um and I don't know that um and I don't know why that keeps happening. But some of the CG in this really took me out of the movie. Some of it was a little because uh, I've seen Marvel do things that blow me away in the other world, right? It all, you know what? It, it it's just the some of the full body, full suited CG stuff. Yeah, you talk about the uncanny valley, and we're used to that referring to like faces, like expressions, yeah. those kind of. But it can also refer to bodies. You just look at it and you go, "No, a human body doesn't quite land like that." Yeah, or a human body doesn't quite you know, uh, get thrown like that. So it's just, there's just something enough off that it bothers me and takes me out of the movie. The CGI I was thinking about deals more with animals than uh, people. Okay, sure. But uh, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. For me, my one negative is I am tired of Marvel having a villain, like a battle where it's just who can punch harder. Mm. I'm tired of that. And we've been complaining about it for a while. And it's just something that I think but the this best is a little different, isn't it? I don't think it is. Because I think the most unique it's ever been done is Doctor Strange, because it it was totally not just a who can punch harder or who can you know throw a spell that's stronger. Of- it was so unique the way that sure it did it, and I loved the freshness and uniqueness of that. But this one, it was just fighting and fighting, and yes, how I. We can't obviously talk about. Yeah, there's. I think in spoilers, I want to. I want to combat that a little bit, but I can't really without talking about because because this often has to do with the final boss fight, right? It has to do yeah. with the the big baddie, you know, hero villain fight at the end. Uh, you know, super powerful people just punching each other as hard as they can, right? Yeah. There are some things about this that I think uh, I want to talk about in spoilers that that maybe. Um, maybe I could defend this a little bit, but we'll have to wait to spoilers because I don't want to give anything, yeah. you know, major kind of about the the plot stuff away. So, but I, I do understand what you're saying. Yeah, and at the same time, you know, punching is part of fighting. <laughs> so it's you know sometimes it has yeah. to if you're going to beat somebody. Yeah, got to punch them. I, I get sometimes. I get that, but at the same time, you have to understand where I'm coming from too. Yeah, it's just don't punch so much. Or if you're me, you just submit. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm a pacifist. Out. You're tapping out. <laughs> Kill me if you need to, but I'm out. Yeah. Uh, Anything else you wanted to mention? One last one thing. One last thing? I don't think uh, anybody else could have made this movie besides Ryan Coogler. I Man, I agree. Yeah, you know, I don't think anybody else could have made this movie, and it'd be just... Maybe good. I wouldn't say anybody else, but um, but man... Uh, he was perfect for it. He was definitely perfect for it. Yeah. And he he and Michael B. Jordan, they can just work together for the rest of their lives as far as I'm concerned. I'm cool with that. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Yeah. Is that are, a, are they doing Creed 2 together? I'm not sure. Oh, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I'm. I, you're the one that keeps up on that stuff more than me, so yeah. I have to come to you to ask those kind of things. Yeah, and I'm hey, failing are doing, myself. Are they doing Creed 2 together, Andrew? Well, let me look that up real quick <laughs> for you. I'll tell you in two seconds because I have the power of the internets. What? Yeah, no. Uh, Creed 2? Uh, no. It is not. We got a Stephen Cable Jr. 
Uh, uh, don't know who he is. Well, we'll have to check it out then. Yep. Speaking of Ryan Coogler, you ready to go on to our best ever challenge? Yeah. All right. So this was a little bit different. Usually we do movies, but mm-hmm. we're doing directors for this best ever challenge. And the category is three for three directors, directors whose first three movies, they started off their career with a batting average of 100,000, batting average of 100,000. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by going three for three. Uh, so I found this a little more complicated than you did, I guess. I had to I really lucky. kind of dig in. You think you just found the right ones right away? I did. I have five. I so. I ended up with I ended up with about one, two, three, four, five, six. I have nine that I can mention. Wow. Okay. Uh, but I think you some, still did good. <laughs> well, I it took me a while, but I think some of my honorable mentions are a little shaky. Okay. But I like my three. I'll I'll take my three. Okay. So who do you want to start? Uh, I'm going to start with Sam Mendes. Okay. And your number three? Uh, yeah, as my number three. Okay. He came out with American Beauty, Road to Perdition, and then Jarhead. I mean, wow. I When I looked at that, um, I, the only reason I didn't have him in any of my lists was Jarhead. I didn't love Jarhead as much as oh, most people Oh, I do. love Jarhead. Yeah. I really like Jarhead a lot. If you love Jarhead, then yeah, that's a killer three for three to start off with. Yeah. I think Jarhead is like the perfect homage to Full Metal Jacket with a modern twist on it that I never knew I wanted. Yeah, it's a, it's a good movie. I just didn't, you know, it's not one that I necessarily love. Yeah. Um, Road to Perdition, however, is a very underrated film. Very. Underseen film and is phenomenal, mm-hmm. uh, as is, of course, American Beauty. So. Amer- well, I don't think American Beauty is underappreciated. I mean- <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I meant, <laughs> I meant it was, it's very well done. Yeah, exactly. And that's his first movie. Wow. Debut. That's a great, that's a great debut. Yeah, exactly. Okay, what do you have at number three? I've got Edgar Wright at number three. Good call. Um, it's hard. It's hard for me to to see past you know Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and then Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, you know, as I mean, that's just those are three great. Films. It was that was my number four actually. Yeah. So. Now he has he has a movie before that, but I don't think many people would consider it like a major release. I didn't release. count shorts. I didn't count shorts. No, I didn't either, but it wasn't, I don't think it was a short. It was um, a fistful of fingers maybe or something like that. Yeah. Or, yeah, I, he did, but most people would not count that. So I went ahead and cheated maybe a little bit and didn't count that. Yeah. I mean, it was like 12 years before Shaun of the Dead came out. So, um, yeah. but man, that's, that's a great first three. So hey, I had him at number three. Yeah. Uh, my number two. Yeah, go for it. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, I would too if I liked Tarantino, like most people yeah. do, because um, that's what Reservoir Dogs, Res- right? Then Pulp Fiction, right? And then Jackie Brown. Yeah, I'll give you Pulp Fiction. <laughs> uh, I might even give you Jackie Brown. I'm not a fan of Reservoir Dogs. It's actually, I think, I think it gets a lot more credit than it deserves. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's either my favorite or my second favorite. But I know I'm alone. Like I know I'm, you know, way in the minority on that. Yeah. So I think with Tarantino, you either love him or you hate him. Yeah. Because he is such a different type of director. Um. And I'm actually, uh, like, you don't like Reservoir Dogs? I don't like the Kill Bill movies. Yeah. And for some people, the Kill Bills are their favorite Tarantino movies. I might be one of those people. Um, there's something, I mean, all, I, all of Tarantino's movies make me ill in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I think that's part of his intent, maybe, or at least his style. Um, and Kill Bill certainly does that, but Kill Bill seems to be the most proficient of his movies. Some of the the music cues and choreography in Kill Bill blow my mind, just blows my mind. So that's probably why I would put it above the others for me. Okay. I, but, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, you're number two. Ben Affleck. Ah. Right? I, I didn't think of that one. That's a good call, actually. I mean, I Gone feel- Baby Gone. Yeah. Which is phenomenal. Yeah. Followed by uh, The Town. Which is one which of the best heist movies ever. phenomenal. Yeah. Followed by Argo. Yeah. Which that's, is phenomenal. Like, that's a great three for three, right? If I would have remembered him, I would have put him on my list. Yeah. 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 That's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, Affleck, uh, those first three movies it, were just absolutely mind-blowing that he pulled that off. And even though he wasn't in Gone Baby Gone, that's whenever I knew... Uh, that I'm like, okay, so he's not just the Pearl Harbor daredevil, right? You know, teen heartthrob that I thought he planned on being, you know, for his career. Yeah, I'm like, okay, he's got skill because he did. He wrote, he co-wrote um, uh, Goodwill Hunting, 
But I, I, I think I gave a lot of credit to Matt Damon for that one because by that point, Matt Damon had already, you know, shown that he's more than just a, uh, you know, just a pretty yeah, face. His career, his career took off long before Affleck's, I think. Yeah. Affleck really kind of stumbled through his acting career in many ways. He really did. And uh, but then directing, man, Gone Baby Gone is so good. I think I still think it's probably his best movie. I I think people like Gone Baby Gone a lot more than what I do because I found a lot of Gone Baby Gone predictable, whereas mm. a lot of people didn't. Yeah, because it would it was the first film to kind of do a lot of that kind of stuff. But I would say his best film might be The Town. I it might be The Town. It's hard to argue. I mean, it's a great movie. Yeah. I just I was I want him to direct stuff he's not in. Yeah. Um I think it it is hard to have that dual focus and I think it affects the best. Um so I'd I'd love to see him just become a director, but I don't think that's what he wants. I really think he wants to be an actor. Well, he's uh, and so a good. Director. He I mean he is good. Yeah, but I think he's a better director director than he is an actor. So you think that he should only act in stuff like whenever he does like uh uh Gone Girl and stuff where he's not behind the camera yeah. and he can really Fully I mean, focused honestly, on his act. I, I, yes, that's what I would prefer. Yeah. So. No, you're not saying that he can't pull it off because he's no. obviously shown that he can. Correct. It's just that you appreciate there's movies a whole, like. Yeah. There's a whole other level, I think. Okay. That he could get to. My number one? Yeah. Frank Darabont, man. No, that's a great choice. Definitely in my uh, my honorable mentions. The first movie he ever did was The Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> I know, right? And then he followed it up with The Green Mile. And then the majestic. I mean, it's not on the same level as I'm those surprised, two. I'm surprised you because of the majestic. Because I love the majestic. I think it's pretty good. I think it's underseen. So that's why I had him in my honorable mentions. But I was I was surprised because of the majestic that you would put him at number one. Well, the majestic, like I said, compared to Shawshank and The Green Mile, which are two of the greatest movies of all time, <laughs> right? The majestic isn't obviously on that level. But I think the next movie he did was The Mist. Yeah, and that's. A- that's one of the best horror movies ever. Yeah. And then he created the Walking Dead TV show. <laughs> so, well, he didn't write the comics, obviously, but. Uh, I love I love a good career like that where it's just, he just spread. I mean, Shawshank was what, 93? At least yeah. early 90s. And, uh, and t- you know, to only have made, what, three movies. Yeah, because he was a writer before that, correct? Yeah, like I believe he, so, yeah. So that's how he got the uh, the credentials to actually direct a movie on that level and then he nailed it at some point i think i would be the same way i'd be like um i'm gonna walk away now (laughs) if you did if i did those three movies or whatever yeah Uh, honestly if i did the green mile and shawshank and i just did those two i'm like i'm done yeah i'm i'm bad i batted a thousand you you can't touch me now um my number one Mm -hmm. and i'm just now wondering maybe this is something we haven't done before but uh, I actually put Coogler at number one, um, and I didn't remember if we'd actually included the like the one we're reviewing in the list before. I think I may have done it, but I don't think they were ever my number one. Yeah. So this is your I, number one. Coogler's my number one. I Fr- Fruitvale, Fruitvale Station is so good. Um, Creed is so good, and now Black Panther is so good, and they're all so different. Mm-hmm. Like that's the other thing. There's a versatility to his first three. I just I kept comparing him to my other choices, and Affleck was the closest. I I could have swapped those, mm-hmm. um, but I just kept comparing them, and I thought, you know what? I I think his first three are better, yeah. than than those. So, and maybe that's recency bias. I don't know, but I mean, man, what a first three yeah. for Googler. So I had him at number one. Honorable mentions. Sure. Do you want to go? I'll go. Uh, I have uh, three honorable mentions. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with Mel Brooks. Okay. It came out I didn't the, have him. What what are his first three? I didn't even look him up, I don't think. The producers. Okay. Twelve chairs. I don't even know twelve chairs. It's pretty funny. Okay. It's pretty funny. And then Blazing Saddles. Okay, well yeah, obviously Blazing Saddles. Yeah. I mean <laughs> you you come out with those three, you're 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 starting off pretty good. Then uh Rob Reiner, actually. No, Reiner's a great example. He has a isn't his second movie kind of a miss. The sure thing is that's why I didn't put him in there, because sure yeah. thing is it's okay. But you have Spinal Tap. Yeah. Reiner, the, Reiner's first six are incredible yeah, if, stand you, by if me. you leave out the sex romp one or whatever the number two one is. Yeah. The sure thing, yeah. yeah. But then his third one, Stand By Me. And, I mean, come right? on. And then this fourth one is The Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. I know. <laughs> yeah. And then fifth? Fifth. Uh, Do you know what? I can look it up. 
Oh. I just remember like his first six or seven films are all kind of mind blowing. Oh man, you had to do that, didn't you? No, oh, I thought you had it in front of you. Is the only reason I no no I, asked, I, I just so. put my list of three right here. Uh, but while you're looking that up, I'll say my uh, my fit or my other honorable mention sure. is Denis Villeneuve. Cause he did yeah, it. you like Prisoners a lot more than I do. Well, that was his second movie. His first one's a movie called Incendies. Have you ever seen it? No, I haven't actually seen Incendies. Really need to see Incendies. And then his third one was Enemy, which is really good. Really good. Uh, I didn't expect I do like Enemy. Yeah. Uh, and then I think after that was Arrival. Or mm-hmm. no, it was Sicario. And then Sicario, Arrival. then Arrival. Sicario, then Arrival, and then uh, Blade Runner 2049. So Okay, check this out. Here's here is Rob Reiner's run. You ready for it's this? Ins- I, I remember. Oh wait, no, wait, wait. Is it uh, a a few good men? Is it a few good men? Is the well, next one? a few good men will be what we end with. But no, that okay. wasn't the next one. Here's okay. here's his run from 1984 to 1992. This is Spinal Tap. Yeah, phenomenal. The Sure Thing. Yeah. Uh, Stand by Me. Phenomenal. Yeah. Princess Bride. Maybe yeah. one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah. Easily. When Harry Met Sally. That's what it one was. One of the greatest rom-coms of all time. Yeah. Misery. Gr- no, it is the greatest rom-com of all Misery, time. Misery. One next. of the greatest horror movies of all right? time. And then A Few Good Men. Yeah. <laughs> it's like crazy. And it's crazy because after that, it just falls flat. He doesn't do anything good. Nothing? Look. Look after A Few no, Good Men. And no, see you're if- right. You're right. I mean, the bucket list was okay. I didn't think the bucket list was... It, it, yeah, it came out literally. With American the, President wasn't too bad. Nah, no. Honestly, I think after no, a I'm few good you. men, it's it's he's done. I wow. don't know what happened. Um. All right, you want my honorable mentions? What do you got? Uh, we'll start with uh, Spike Jones. Oh yeah, because he did. Uh, oh wait, no. Uh, what's the one I'm thinking of? Go th- go through his first three. So I think his first, I actually don't have it in front of me, but uh, his first movie is Being John Malkovich, which I love. Oh, Spike, I'm an idiot. I was thinking of Spike Lee. Oh, okay. Yeah, because no. Spike Lee Those had are a, very different directors. Yeah, yeah. Spike Lee, he did, because uh, I was thinking Do the Right Thing was one of his first movies, and I'm like, yeah, that's a great way to start off, but uh, no, Spike Jones, yeah. So Spike Jones started off with, did you like Being John Malkovich? It's so weird. It's so, but well, that's it's, what it's, I love about Spike Jones. I love the way I love him and Charlie Kaufman working together. Yeah. I think they're genius together. Well, that's the one with the like the thirteenth and a half floor and everything, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's a weird movie, but it's pretty good. It's it's so unique. But I don't know if I think of any of his other movies from like his first three. What was his first three? Well, adaptation. Did you ever see adaptation? Oh, the one with a. Uh, 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 what's his face? Because didn't Charlie Kaufman write that one? And it's mm-hmm. about Charlie Kaufman. Yes, in some uh, ways. And uh, Nicholas Cage, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen it, but I know about it. So uh, adaptation is in there, and then I'm trying to remember what the third was. I actually have his filmography up in front of me, mm-hmm. but it includes all his music videos. <laughs> so it's like That's a the thing. Million. Spike Jones loves doing music videos, and he does great ones. Yeah. But uh, but can't you just show me his feature length films? <laughs> Um, so let's, let's do it this way. Cause you just skip to her. Her is actually his fourth. So there is was his fourth. Yeah. Really? Her was his fourth. Oh, where the wild things are, which I love more than most people. I didn't like where the wild things okay, are. Okay. So you would have left him off then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think those are the only four he's directed actually. Yeah. Being John Malkovich adaptation where the wild things are and her, her is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, Aronofsky started with pie pie is i i don't like pie okay <laughs> i love pie but i don't like pi but whenever you come out after pie he does nobody likes pi nobody that's that's, that, that's how you get pink eye that's how you get pink pie yeah <laughs> but after that he does requiem for a dream which is one of the most twisted demented phenomenal movies i've ever seen it's one of two crazy. movies that made me physically ill watching yeah. yeah requiem's crazy and i like the fountain a lot of people don't like the fountain i like the fountain third. um pta uh, you're starting off with... Heart 8, right? Which one? Heart 8. Oh, yeah, Heart 8. And then, is it Punch Drunk Love after that? Or was it... Uh, I think it's Boogie Nights next, isn't it? Is it Boogie Nights? Because I don't, I don't remember liking Heart 8. But after that, it was either Punch Drunk Love... Uh, uh, Magnolia. Magnolia or... Uh, it was Boogie Nights, then Magnolia. I love Magnolia, and I love Boogie Nights, and then Punch Drunk Love. Yes. Oh, I love those, and I think after that is there will be blood, right? Yes, I think so. No, it was was the master after or before there will be blood? After. Okay. 
but so yeah, he's, it all depends on. I think for me, it all depends on whether or not you like Heart Eight, which because it, it's it's hard to argue with Magnolia and Boogie Nights. Oh yeah, if we were doing top four, like if if you can give them carte blanche on one film, like yeah. okay, you were just finding your your uh, your little movements there, then yeah. <laughs> but yeah, PTA is one of the greatest directors of all time. And then I had the Coen Brothers, Blood Simple, Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing. So see, I haven't seen uh, Miller's Crossing yet. So and then Jason Reitman. I think is another one that needs to be mentioned. Uh, he started with Thank You for Smoking, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal. Juno was his second, which is actually my least favorite of the three, mm-hmm. even though it's still, I think, a great movie. And then Up in the Air was his third. I almost put George Lucas because American Graffiti, and then I think Star Wars was, A New Hope was his third movie. I can't remember what the one in between mm-hmm. was, but I don't think it was all that good. It was something about, um, or it may have been uh, American Graffiti was a second movie, and his first one was this movie where people didn't have names. They had like serial numbers or yeah. something like that. I can't remember the name of it. If somebody in the chat could help me out with that. But I don't remember people liking it all that much. Who so. other than Damien Chazelle has two movies that could go on this list with their third? Anybody else? I That's the only reason why I can't put him on the list is because he, he doesn't have a third right, movie. Right, I know. Yet. But yeah, he would be number one. Whiplash and, El, and La La Land. He would be number one. Depending on what happens with the Neil Armstrong you know, movie. Yeah. If that's if that's great, you're right. He could be number one. So, but just think of this: Coogler now, who I put at number one. Yeah. I mean, is above almost every other director. Uh, Steve McQueen. I'm trying to the the one that's alive right now. You know, I'm trying to think of because he did uh, no, not that Steve McQueen. Other Steve McQueen, who did like Twelve Years a Slave and Shame mm-hmm. and Hunger. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because everything he did before that was a short, so I would put Steve McQueen on the list, too, because Hunger... Hunger, Shame, and 12 Years a Slave are his first three. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've seen Shame. I haven't seen Shame. It's, uh, I don't know if it's a movie for you, honestly, but from a performance standpoint by uh, Fassbender, it's a weird movie about somebody who's addicted to sex, and if you can look past, like, this ass, like, what it's about, Mm -hmm. and, like, how you, like, oh, this is actually... Something that's well. One of my favorite movies is about sex addiction. Um, what was the? Uh, I forget. Oh, why can't I remember? It was. Um, Who's in it? It was uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, oh, it was about a porn addiction oh, and a sex uh, addiction. I didn't like that movie. Uh, I thought it was like, really powerful. Like John or oh yeah, Don John. Don John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I didn't like that movie at all. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's. It makes you. It's kind of along the same because that's more porn addicted than mm-hmm. sex addicted. This is like, oh, so this person actually has a problem, mm-hmm. and it because whenever I know, whenever I was growing up, being a you know a dumb kid, like you can get a, a sex addiction. <laughs> that's that's not a real thing. <laughs> and then you see this movie, you're like it's a real thing, and it's t- actually kind of terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, interesting. I would really, if you can look past like the whole sex thing of it. It's a really powerful and actually creepy movie. Um, I think there's a very clear front four in this category. And just to think that Ryan Coogler put himself in that category when there's, you know, Coogler, Affleck, Edgar Wright, and uh, Darabont, I think really are the only ones you can go, oh, yeah, that's a clear three for three. Almost everybody would agree, yeah. you know, kind of idea. Um, so, man, what an accomplishment by him Good. to have those first three. Good on you. Good on you, indeed. <laughs> Before we head on to the rest of the show, just a reminder that the Studio DNA Podcast Network is fan-funded uh, at patreon.com slash DNA. We rely on you and your $3 a month, along with everybody else's $3 a month, to actually do this podcast network. Uh, some fun things going on right now. Uh, by the end of this month, anybody who is at the $10 a month level, we're sending out our annual gift. Oh, it's that time of year, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's annual gift time. So if you want to increase your gift to $10 a month or you want to start at $10 a month, uh, we'll send you this uh, really beautiful set of pins, uh, one for each of the podcasts on the network and then some fun uh, Studio DNA ones as well. Um, I have a set here that I uh, really love. It's really beautiful. I like them and I can't wait for you to have them. Uh, So you can do that. Uh, And also at $3 a month, just as starting to give, you get access to all the bonus episodes. For instance, on our bonus episode of Sif Pop, today uh, we discussed the movies Only the Brave and Early Man. 
because uh, Andrew saw only the Brave and I saw Early Man, so we kind of talked those and reviewed those a little bit. So all that is yours in your own dedicated podcast feed, so you can check that out at patreon.com slash studio DNA. All right, you ready for the SIF quest? Make it happen, Captain. All right, um, this one comes to us from Joshua via email. Hello. It says, hello, Aaron and Andrew. That's us. I want to thank you both for creating an incredibly entertaining, hilarious, and insightful podcast. I, I chose to include that sentence. I just wanted to... Well, you created three, the podcast. Three, I just started showing up and never left. You help create it every week. Come uh, on. Yeah. I think you're giving me too much credit. Um, Thank you, Andrew. Or... Joshua, we really do appreciate that. <laughs> and thank you, Andrew, for helping create such a hilarious, entertaining, and insightful podcast. Oh. Uh, my questions to you two are, how did you get started doing what you do? Why did you choose to enter the pop culture movie-related industries? And what are some tips or advice you have for others wanting to do what you do, especially related to starting YouTube channels or podcasts? I'd love to hear any feedback you two have. And again, thank you for inspiring my love for all things movies. I think you could probably speak more to podcasts, and I could speak more to YouTube. Why don't you go for it? What would you say to to uh, to Josh? For YouTube, it's all about consistency. If you say you are going to come out with a schedule, like I'm going to put out this many videos on this many days, if you can commit to your audience, your audience will commit to you. And also be patient. It took me over a year and a half I think to get more than 10 subscribers on YouTube mm-hmm. and it just took one video and my channel ended uh, somewhere around 50,000 subscribers in, within a three year time span mm-hmm. um, so consistency and also if you're planning on trying to do something that everybody else is doing whether it be film reviews or anything try and find an element of that to make it unique and original to you otherwise you because you have to have something to stand out yeah exactly and I think that can that will also trans transition also to podcasting as well no i think so i think there's it's always good to have a hook um when i went to my five things review is when i started to see more growth on my youtube channel yeah um it's something i feel like is mine you know and is you know uniquely mine um which is interesting because it's not like it's a crazy concept or anything it's just you know kind of highlighting it that way for whatever reason uh patience i think is true you always need to be patient um you know, I was on YouTube for seven years before I broke 100 subscribers. Yeah. Uh, and that goes to my other point, which is don't do it if it's not something you don't absolutely like crave to do. Because the don't only do it for fame. Yeah. Don't do it for fame. Don't do it for money. Do it because you can't not do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. what I mean? that was that's what it was for me. That's why I got into reviewing movies first on a blog and then on YouTube because I couldn't not do it. Like, I just I love talking about movies and whatever that is for you, whatever that spark of passion is for you that you just have to talk about or have to create stuff about, follow that. You know, don't don't try to find a category because you think it'll get you more money or get you more, you know, followers. Find a category because you're passionate about it, because it's passion that draws an audience, I think. That's exactly it. Because whenever I was doing YouTube, a lot of people are saying you're only doing this because you can get money making videos. I'll tell you right now, I spent so much more money than what I got back from YouTube. Just because I love doing it. Yeah. It was a passion project. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the second part of the question is, how did we actually get into this? So I think that part of it for me, this is a, the other piece of advice that I, that I tell people is, number one, follow your passion, which I just talked about. And number two, follow what you're good at. So find the outlet for you that matches you know what you feel comfortable with. Now you're going to get better at everything you keep doing, right? Yeah. There's I mean just you if you keep putting in the reps, you're going to get better. But we I think are naturally gifted at certain things. For me, it all started to click when I went away from writing and went to being in front of a camera. Uh I feel like part of my gifts are in being off the cuff, just kind of talking about things, saying things in the moment. Um, I don't mind writing things. I think I, I think I'm a decent writer, but I have to pour over that a lot more. It's a lot more work. It takes a lot more. You know, my perfectionism kicks in. Whereas if I just turn on a camera and hit record, I feel very comfortable. You know, I feel like that's something I can do. Same with a microphone. You know, whether it's a microphone or a, or a camera, uh, I feel the same way. And so that's why I gravitated towards YouTube and podcasts is because I felt like it fit what I was good at. Yeah. So, and I think that's part of it is figuring out you know, what, what you do well at, what you're comfortable with. 
Um, and understanding your limitations, you know, understanding what you're not good at and moving, you know, away from that writing wasn't as much for me. So I moved away from that. Um, I think that's important as well. Yeah. Um, sorry for me, like I'm not as articulate as you, like I can't really make, (laughs) like I'm having trouble right now. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Sentences make words. Yeah. Sentences make, sometimes I get, you know, uh, stumbled over my words and stuff like that, you know, but the thing that really got me into this, it was just this weird transition because growing up. I was always kind of a chameleon. Like I could always make myself blend into whatever uh, like environment I was in. Like if I was around a whole bunch of people who were into like country stuff, I could all, you know, like transition to that. And that made me wanting to get into acting because that's what acting is. It's becoming. I was going to say your gifts are in acting. Like your gifts are in performing. I, I really believe that. And I think there's an element to that of that to what you do on the podcast and what you do on YouTube. Exactly. Because whenever uh, I was training to be an actor, cause that's initially what I wanted to be, I would study you know, like, how are you supposed to perform under these certain circumstances or situations? How can you make this believable and stuff? And that led me to watching so many movies and stuff and just picking out things that a lot of people I thought really weren't looking at from an acting standpoint of like, Okay, that's that's not believable because they did this and this certain situation stuff. So that element, whenever the whole acting thing didn't inevitably inevitably work out, yet I just yet <laughs> I'm just leaving that option out there. Well, you I, had an audition recently, didn't you? <clears throat> the potential for an upcoming audition to be in the next season of True Detective. That's right, you did. But uh, yeah, like I said, it still hasn't happened yet. But uh. That inevitably led me to being able to critique movies from a different stand than I think sure. a lot of people came at it from. A lot of people came at it from the the uh, the stylization of the filming and stuff, and I eventually picked that up. But my critiquing was more in the beginning from an acting standpoint. Sure. So... Yeah, I think find out who you are, find out what you're good at, and follow that. You know, there really should feel, when I started doing YouTube and when I started doing podcasting, um, or radio for that matter, because I do radio as well, uh, it, it just felt like I fell into a, uh, like a me-shaped hole. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, it just, <laughs> like, you know, it just notched in. You know how you can feel like when something just notches in and it's set? You were the key and it was the lock. Yeah, exactly. And and it just, when it feels like that, you know you're onto something. Yeah. So pursue that. Get better at that, you know? those moments where it just feels right and then uh, and then just keep getting better and better and put the work in and that's the other thing is that's the reason you're going to have to love it because it is hard work oh yeah i mean it is you know to to create content on a consistent basis like you talk about that is you know that is a hard work especially when you've got a you know a day-to-day job you know that you've got to you have to pay the bills with so yep yeah, totally. It can be overwhelming, but if you continue to love what you do, then uh, it's not as difficult as something like a regular job. Yeah, because you want to do it. Yeah, so. it took. I mean, you know, I I worked yeah, for many many years. You know, it's only the last three that I've been able to you know finance this side of what I do enough that I get to be my own boss. You know. Yep. And um, you know that that. That takes a lot of work and a lot of passion, a lot of love, and an understanding of your gifts, of who you are, and and you know kind of what you're made to do. So that's that's what I would say. So I hope that helps a little bit. And if anybody's looking at to do do this kind of thing, um, I think it was Chris Hardwick who says this about comedy: get out if you don't love it. <laughs> like yeah. it's going to tear you apart if it is not something you absolutely love to do. So that's the other thing. Uh, make sure you have the ability to uh, handle criticism and not only criticism but just unrelenting just horrible anonymity of people <laughs> being able to say whatever they especially want on youtube especially yeah. on youtube yeah. although my that's I why mean, i walked away i i uh I, totally and maybe it'll change once you know if my youtube channel grows to the point where yours did mm-hmm. it's still a pretty nice place in my comments i really like my youtube community right now so that's one of the benefits i think of the beauty you know things of having that you know low low thousands you know range um just just crossing over the 20. haters haven't found you yet that's right that's right yeah. oh they found me <laughs> <laughs> also that is another one of i i feel like one of my gifts is that i don't take criticism personally yeah i take it and try to find the truth in it and get better where i can and just discard stuff that i know doesn't apply to me so 
Well, when people say you suck, die, 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 you, there's really nothing to divulge from. I'm like, okay, I can well, that's make- what I'm saying. Yeah, my my gift, I think, is that I can very easily throw that away. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't take any kind of purchase in in my soul that or heart. Sticks or with me forever. Yeah, and I know that that's got to be tough. So, yeah. um, so yeah, understand all those parts of it and do it because you can't not do it. Yep, I think that's a good way to say it. Well, you ready to do some uh, buried treasure? Yeah, you want to go? Uh, sure. This is one thing from any area of pop culture that we want to make sure we let you know about. Um, I have been loving Netflix these days. Uh, really? They, well, they are, it's just, I've talked about this, but it's such a well-designed app. And even though I've got all these other TV shows and movies that I want to catch up on, I find myself going to Netflix and finding stuff. And I'm glad that I found this. I, I found it to be fascinating. It's Chris Rock's latest uh, comedy special, Tambourine. Tambourine, yeah. Have you seen it? Uh, not, it's in my queue. I, for a second, I thought that Netflix was going to be your buried treasure. I'm like, it's not really that buried, Aaron. <laughs> it's not that buried. Yeah. Well, it doesn't always have to be buried. Okay, uh, but, for that matter, Tambourine's not all that buried. Uh, but you it know, just came out, didn't it? Just came out, correct. Um, I watched the whole thing. It is hilarious. It is powerful. It is raw and honest in a way that I've never seen Chris Rock be that raw and honest. He talks about his infidelity uh, through a good portion of it and his divorce and things like that. And there's this moment where he's talking about what a bad husband he was that the camera just like it starts this incredibly slow zoom in on his face while he's op- like opening up and being raw. And I'm like, wow, this is just as powerful as many scenes I've seen in movies, you know, this year. And it's just a stand up special. Um, I will say it's Chris Rock, so of course it's vulgar. Yeah, yeah. And extremely so. And it, you know, it deals with issues that may make you very uncomfortable, issues like race, um, issues like sex, you know, those kind of things. So he's not afraid to talk about those things. I just found it He never has. There there there's mo- there are moments where he's talking about being a bad husband where it is so real and honest that people laugh because they're uncomfortable. Like you can hear yeah. the audience just and you know it's not a time to laugh. Yeah, but they don't know what to do. Yeah, because it's it's so right there in front of you. Um, I saw Gaffigan, Jim Gaffigan, tweet today that it was possibly the best stand-up special he's seen, you know, in the last ten years. Wow. And uh, I thought, I get that. I get why you would say that because there's just something very powerful about, it. and yet it's really funny. You know what I mean? Like it's he has such a an interesting perspective on things. Um, some of the, some of that stuff is still sticking with me. So it's it's definitely one for a, for a discerning viewer. Yeah. I would recommend. It reminds that what you just said kind of reminds me of what Patton Oswalt just did in his latest special, where he talks about the death of his wife and stuff. And, mm. he, and I don't know if you saw. it I didn't or not. see it. Uh, but there's parts of it you're like, uh, there there's parts where the audience just like kind of laughs because it's so you don't know what to do because mm-hmm. he. He tries to make light of the situation, you know, like to, you know, drop jokes in here and there. But for there's a good portion of it where you're like, man, this is some serious stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I'm, I really want to see it. Like I said, it's in my queue. I'll probably check it out this weekend. Yeah. Um, I, I also watched just as an aside, I watched uh, Fred Armisen's new one that dropped on Netflix, too. Oh, is this the one where he's the drummer? Yeah, it's just they only let drummers come to the show. So it's an audience full of drummers only. Uh, do you do you play the drums? I don't. Okay, so do you under like does it, is it still funny? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's still funny. It wasn't great, but it was I it was worth my watch. I wasn't like upset that I spent that time. I think Armisen's a hilarious dude. So, yeah. but there is a lot of drum humor. Like yeah. it, a lot of the humor comes from his love of drumming. So it's an interesting thing. I love this is the thing I love about Netflix. Okay, I'll go ahead and make Netflix my buried treasure. <laughs> this, is, this is the thing I love about Netflix is amongst all this opportunity, just giving these artists opportunities to do these things you know um and it just pops up in front of you so i just i think they are so on the right track but anyways go ahead what's your very well i think netflix they just came out with a new original horror movie uh not too long the ritual yeah the ritual yeah, uh, i haven't have watched you seen that it? i haven't no either. i'm not a horror fan so it, yeah. i'm not drawn to it okay um, for me, uh, have you ever like, uh, for my bear treasure, have you ever like watched a show and then for some reason or another, it just kind of like falls to the wayside and then you pick it up later on and you're like, sure. why did I ever stop watching the show? I love it. 
This is my buried treasure, The Blacklist. Oh, okay. I love The Blacklist. Yeah, I'm still watching The Blacklist. Yeah, I'm trying to get caught back up on Netflix. Uh, but uh, man, you've heard about Netflix? I've heard of this. I was trying to tell people about it. I know, thanks to you, I've been able to watch The Blacklist. I love James Spader. He's His so great. Voice, oh man, that just gravelly His presence. Deep. Yeah, yeah. And those fedoras. Nobody can pull off a fedora like James Spader, except maybe Indiana Jones. That's not really. Oh, I guess it is a fedora, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, so nobody can pull off a fedora like Indiana Jones, <laughs> and maybe Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. But we'll end the list there. Yeah, there we go. Those three. <laughs> those three people. But, man, uh, like every single, like I love the underlying story of it, you know, of, you sure. know, the fulcrum and all that kind of stuff and like where it's leading and everything. And like who, how does he know Lizzie and stuff like that. But I, I still love the whole different villain every single week. For mm-hmm. some reason, I get tired of that in other shows, but from the blacklist, some reason, like, I want the new villain every single week. Like yeah. I want to find out like who this evil person in the world nobody knows about is. That's yeah. I I will say I still watch it, but I primarily watch it for Spader. I there's none of the I shouldn't say none, but very little of the overarching story, you know, mystery kind of thing. It's not really attractive. If it wasn't Spader wasn't in there, I think I would have given up on it. Um, he's so good, but he's so good. He's, <laughs> he's so, so good. He's so fun to watch. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. The blacklist, the blacklist. It's fun. Yeah. And you can find it on this new streaming service yeah, called, that, I, that I, that I just discovered for you Yeah, ne- called Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did it. A Yay. podcast happened. Huzzahs. Casting of the pods has commenced and finished. Did you say huzzahs? Huzzahs. Yes, all the huzzahs. <laughs> Not just one. Yeah, all of them. Many of them. Thanks so much for joining us for Sif Pop today. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following us at Spreaker, either in the Spreaker app or at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. Uh, huge thanks to Andrew today for coming by again. Oh, thank you. You got anything you want to promote? You can find me on Twitter at, at @flickfreaks. Uh, posted a whole bunch of random stuff or I retweet a lot of what Aaron says um, and I uh, argue with people when I think they're wrong about movies that's basically what we all do on Twitter yeah pretty you, much you can find me at Aaron Dicer also if you want to get in on the Oscar contest still a couple weeks to do so uh, made it simple just go to sifpop.com if you go to sifpop.com you can get your picks in for the second annual Sif Pop Oscar party again the prize is you get to promote something on Sif Pop after you win sifpop.com to check that out uh, also if you want to connect further you can do that at feedback at sifpop.com good place to get your sift quest in or of course you can tweet at me as well also thank you to our patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible support starts at three bucks a month comes with some pretty fun perks you can find out more at patreon.com slash studio dna and finally if you're having a good time your movie loving friends will probably like the show too so let them know about it and that listening is much easier than pulling off an American accent when you've already played two British icons. Spoiler chat will be up next in your feed for Black Panther, and we'll be back next week to chat Annihilation. So excited. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.